Oh, let's begin with an aspiration of uh, Bodhicitta. All mother sentient beings, especially those enemies and constructors of harmony, those who create obstacles path to liberation of the sins. May they experience happiness and be separated from suffering. I'll quickly establish and stay the most perfect and precious Buddhahood. All mother sentient beings, especially those enemies who hate me, instructors who harm me, and those who create obsolete paths of liberation and innocence. May they experience happiness be separated from suffering. I'll quickly establish them state of the most perfect and precious Buddhahood. All mother sentient beings, especially those enemies who hate me, obstructors who harm me, and those who create obsolete paths to liberation and innocence. May they experience happiness be separated from suffering. I'll quickly establish them state of the most perfect and precious Buddhahood. And the activity of a Bodhisattva. Thus, until I achieve enlightenment, I perform virtuous deeds of body, speech, and mind. Until death, I perform virtuous deeds of body, speech, and mind. From now until the time tomorrow, I perform virtuous deeds with body, speech, and mind. Bless you. Sangi Jodan Zoki Jonam Adu Badu Dangi Kabzuji Nagi Jinzaki Bazonangi Drova Panjil Sangi Drova Shog and the Buddha the Dharma the Sangha most excellent type take. Refuge and delightment is reached by the merit of generosity and the good deeds may attain Buddhahood for the sake of all sentient beings. The Buddha the Dharma Sangha most excellent. I take refuge and delightment is reached by the merit of generosity and the good deeds. May I attain Buddhahood for the sake of all sentient beings. And the four immeasurables. May all mother sentient beings balance the sky of happiness, the cause of happiness. May they be liberated from suffering, the cause of suffering. May they never be separated from happiness, which is free from sorrow. And may they rest in equity, free from attachment and aversion. Great. So uh, tonight I'd like to um, go over oh, such an important... Um, Meditation. It's actually it is an insight meditation, uh, an anupasana. It's also a um, one of those key teachings that one should memorize the five hindrances. And uh, we'll see about time. May may go through the absorptions at least a little bit uh, introduction um, because you'll encounter these things. So before I begin, um, that's that's what I'd like to cover tonight. But before I begin, do you have any? Um, pressing or unpressing or neutral um, questions. Those are the three questions. Pressing, unpressing, and neutral. I have a question. Yeah. Did you want to talk to that thing we talked about today? Migrators. The um, yep. thing. Migration. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We were um, in the Sangha and we were studying those um, ten things inspire yourself and uh, it came upon utterly reflective reflecting on utterly deluded mental states of sentient sentient beings and and I thought well are animals deluded mm -hmm. do they have deluded minds too mm -hmm. and we you said yes they do and then we talked a little bit about migration of animals. They they move in instinct, but but humans move too. Humans we are been, animals. We've been migrating mm. ever since we climbed out of the trees, so to speak. Uh, and what 
that? Yeah, we, we, we discussed this today, and I, I thought this, this would be good for the classes, is we talk about animals migrating and, and um, um, birds migrating, and uh, many creatures migrate. Not, not all creatures migrate. Many creatures migrate. And each, actually, if a creature doesn't migrate, it still migrates. It moves around. Even a microscopic creature moves around. It's always moving. So um, the, the point, it's a good, actually, it's a good metaphor, but it's actually the way it is, is um, we tend to move, the, the word for samsara, which is usually uh, translated as cyclic suffering, uh, especially in reference to rebirth, but samsara actually literally means wandering, and it means a migrator. So in some of the texts, the actual word is migrator. And it means you migrate from place to place, house to house, room to room, day to day, meal to meal, um, place to place, thinking that you know where you're going, but actually um, driven by a migration to seek out a happier place, less misery. And um, the, the art of insight, wisdom, insight, is to see uh, migration not as something you've done once or twice in your life, but actually probably every half second or every second m migrating. So, so um, I, I really like, th thank you for reminding me, because it's one of the classic words is migration. Um, when we daydream, what actually are we doing? That's the reason for daydreaming. Now, some people have told me that when they go into retreat, they've estimated, after I've asked them, they've thought about it, estimated that they have 98% mind wandering. Others, 60-70%. A very well-trained yogi or yogini uh, can have hours of no mind wandering, actually no thoughts at all. Just no mind wandering at all. Um, at all. Uh, maybe even four days, maybe even four months, maybe even four years. Uh, so um, then we have to ask the question, what's the purpose of the mind wandering or migrating from object to object to object? And, and then, of course, uh, from the perspective of, of Dharma, there really isn't any problem with objects at all. There's no problem with having an object. There's no problem with having a beautiful object, so-called beautiful object or unwholesome, it's not a problem. The, the difficulty is, does one know one's migrating? And does, is one migrating consciously? That is, with awareness? Is one migrating unconsciously with bewilderment, which many people do? And then the higher question, is one migrating for liberation, awakeness for all beings, or is one migrating for um, selfish, liberation, which would, I've got to get rid of my problems, my difficulties, not realizing, of course, that all beings uh, are interconnected. There is no you um, separate from uh, billions and billions of other creatures and causes and conditions. So, so um, I, I quite like that word, migration, and it's, it's, a, it's a good one. Do you get a feeling, that migration? All day long, migrating. And uh, have, you ever, have you ever felt, maybe it's too personal, but have you ever felt utterly bewildered going from a room to another room? <laughs> maybe in a building going, a government building maybe? 
getting a permit and going from here to there. Does this sound familiar in certain countries? Here to there to there to there to there, and actually migrating around and absolutely bewildered why you have to do that. Hmm? University, college, school, yeah, room to room to room to room. Yeah. Today? So, so the more you can actually be aware of the intent mind without a lot of stories, like going, ah, oh, I'm doing this in retreat because of, and then a half an hour later you're trying to figure it all out. It's, it's not going to help you in the slightest. What will help you is identifying greed, hatred, delusion, generosity, love, and wisdom. That, that helps. At least that's an antidote. The antidote is experiencing uh, ignorance about the nature of reality. So let me, let me explain. From the point of view of certain teachings, first cycle of teachings, the Buddha, the, the liberation is the unreality, the illusory nature of us, me, you. Once that's seen, there's a type of liberation. But it uh, doesn't necessarily, it can also become a very negative because you're trying to do in the self. Hmm? When there's actually nothing to do in, it's just illusory. Um, so you, you keep ceasing, you keep ceasing, you keep ceasing. But actually, there's nothing to cease. There's, there's, no, there's no ceasing. There's nothing to, there's never, there was never anything to cease. If phenomena is real, then it ceases. If phenomena is illusory in the mind and it's an experience, then there's nothing to cease. Just I want don't actually I prefer not to say much more about that tonight. Just just work on that. Is there anything actually to stop when there's only things made up in the mind? Then what are you struggling for? That'd be like fighting, you know, doing duking it out in a dream. Uh, 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 uh. And you go, what am I doing? <laughs> There's nothing there. <laughs> They're just images. Is it? But the emotional involvement can be huge. Yeah. Now, now, if you take that literally, you'll say, well, then I don't have to do anything in life. I just let everything happen to me. Well, that wouldn't be very intelligent. Out of compassion, you would intercede by stupidity, jealousy, rage, greed, harming you or other beings. Is that correct? Would you stand passively by accepting somebody else? Actually, I've seen this in a Dharma class. Pummeling somebody else out because they were sitting in their seat. You know, would you, would you um, stand passively by and go accept everything? Uh, while uh, someone is exhibiting a state of um, a rage or greed or uh, delusion that actually is inflicting um, harm. And you just go, mm hmm. No, you wouldn't, would you? It wouldn't be intelligent. It wouldn't be compassionate. You see? And yet it is illusory. So this is why it's actually vital to teach two levels of teaching and grasp both. One is relative causality, relative reality at a high level. So the Buddha said, this is wisdom. It's actually relative high wisdom. 
then there is uh, the nature of all experience as luminous emptiness, luminous shunyata, which is absolute wisdom that frees. But you, we need both. We need relative wisdom, as Namjoon Prashi would say, if you can't make a cup of tea, you can't become enlightened. That's relative wisdom. Yeah? And then we need to know the nature of mind. If you can't make a cup of tea, then you can't distinguish that which is wholesome, that which is unwholesome. Therefore, you will create a level of turbulence which will not allow you, you your awareness, to uh, return to the mother awareness, to the, the foundation awareness, if you wish. It's too turbulent. It's just too shaky. It's too, 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 too distorted. Hmm? Okay. So thank you for that. Migration. That's a really good, it's a good word to describe the uh, bewildered state of suffering. It's just migrating, 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 migrating. And, and uh, as I was saying to Nathan, uh, reacting reacting blindly to sensation and experience when there are uh, innumerable ways to react or not react. And not react is not senseless. I'll use a tech kind of insensate. It's not dead. It's not suppression. It's aliveness. But it's not uh, a reaction that creates more harmful karma. Does that make sense? Yeah. When we come to freeing karma, uh, a free state where karma isn't being built, neither wholesome or unwholesome, it's called in the teaching of um, the Theravada Abhidhamma, Kriya consciousness. Kriya consciousness is free activity. In when it when we when we talk about um, the third turning of the wheel of the Dharma and the second turning of the wheel of Dharma then the activity that's free is called Buddha karma. Its, its only activity is to free up that which is bound. It does no more binding. Okay. No more binding. It just frees. It just frees. Everywhere it goes, it frees. Okay, any more, uh, any more questions? Any, anything else? Yes? Um, I was reading the um, simile of the puppet today, yeah. and I was wondering... Um, if you might talk a little bit more about uh, in the first paragraph where it says the um, uh, let's see in the dark here. Thus, these puppets are called bodies. The, and the part I'm curious about, if you could help, is the master of puppets is the past defilement by which this body is made complete. That's a particular view, but let's stick with that view. Okay, it's a good relative. It's a good introductory relative view about about how unwholesomeness is built. The puppet is the body, and the sensations, the feelings, and so on. It's called the aggregates in 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 uh, in uh, Abhidhamma insight. It's called the uh, the word you'll see often is is aggregates. This this put together um, experience of feelings, sensations. You don't have a body, you know that. You only have a body because you have a sensation, therefore you say you have a body, you have a body experience. When you have a feeling, you say, well, it's something, but it's just a feeling, right? You know that. Okay, and then you have this mosaic of images. But, but uh, this is called the aggregation. 
so how does the aggregation move? This is exactly what you're studying. How does the aggregation, imagine a puppet, ready? Very good. So, so that's actually what you're you're doing. Who's the uh, marionette master? How does that happen? You say, well, I just it just my mouth opened. Mouth just doesn't open. I move the glass, just doesn't. See, we we pass them off with 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 things. But but who who's running the ship? So so read read that line out so uh, again. So it says the master of puppets is the past defilement in by which the body is made complete. That's right. So it's it's the um, past karmic material printing itself out. So that's that's what you're actually looking for. By, by the time you have spotted uh, an, an impulsive intention moment, it's not in the present. Right. For most people, unless you've got superb insight down to two mind moments, three mind moments, not many people have that kind of level of insight, then you don't, uh, it's actually so far gone that you're actually catching the movement of impulsion of consciousness after it's happened. This can now be measured in labs. Okay? This can actually be measured and timed in labs. By the time you're doing this, watch. It was thought about almost three quarters of a second early. And you go, present, present, present. And now you decide, I'm going to pick up the water. You're so clear, you're so mindful going to pick up the glass. It's already happened almost three-quarters of a second, about that half a second to three-quarters of a second earlier, and you don't know it. If you get really, really, really clear and calm, you'll actually feel it as a physiological movement before there's ever a thought. Right? You've got to get way down there. So, what's happening is, uh, Karmic patterning, Lapaka, is printing itself out. That's the past. That's the past unwholesomeness. And because of that uh, nature of that text, it's referring to a body as unwholesome. In other words, it's 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 being driven. You you have a body, and you have the the pus and the flesh and the and the bones and everything else um, due due to karmic uh, circumstances. When it when it come when it comes to Vajrayana teaching. Uh, no, the body actually is is neither um, um, uh, wholesome or unwholesome. It's just it's just a formation. But all, and also, uh, the body then is actually actually uh, um, carrying around, if you wish, a Buddha body, a wisdom body. Okay. That would be the difference between the two views. Uh, two ways of teaching. Two ways. Of teaching. Uh, but more a more reasonable way to say it is uh, due to different types of personalities and types of consciousness and education and proclivities, 
the uh, Buddha, Shakyamuni Buddha, taught in many ways to different beings to their capacity. And I'll tell you, I'm just going to share after 40 years of teaching, this is exactly right. Um, um, many, many beings I meet, really, even after years and years of practice, it's still about extinguishing their self. And things are bad. I, I really, not kidding. So when, when the, the teaching says, and you think, oh, they're biased, those Vajrayana tantrists are biased because they, they label the lowly Hinayana and the Mahayana and so on. Actually, they're right. And, and I, I don't mean in a bad. I don't mean bad. I just simply mean there are, there are individuals where that is where they're going to be for many, many years. That's their view. And out of compassion, sheer beautiful compassion, these teachings, uh, as they say, there are uh, 82,000 or 84,000 different teachings of Dharma for 84,000 different types of beings. Are they the same? Ultimately, yes but many, many avenues for beings, which means there isn't necessarily a full exposition. So what is considered full and complete and total in one, in another one would be considered not. But it would be appropriate for that person at that time. Okay? And, and so when I put a quote in from the Bhamuti Maga, that is a really profound text of really high meditation. But would I agree with all the, um, uh, the uh, um, um, propositions? No, I would agree at a relative level, at a high wisdom relative level. Like really good. In other words, you need really good insight to, to catch that. But that doesn't mean that that's, that's, that's it. There's different times in, in, in the history of the planet, too, that are appropriate for certain teachings. Um, right now, it was predicted um, that this time is a really good time and will be, it'd be very, very helpful to teach um, what's called highest yoga tantra, maha yoga and so on, ati yoga, zogchen. Uh, it's a good time for that. It's just, it's just that time, the kind of consciousness like that. But other times, you teach in other ways. For instance, teaching the way I teach is not necessarily appropriate to, to many people, actually. I'm not a very popular teacher. It really isn't. I'm just not. Uh, for some, they love it. They do very, very well. For for others, uh, it's not a really good way of teaching for them. Do you follow? You know, they do much, much better with a very different kind of presentation. Some people like lots of rules, lots of guidance. There's people who won't study with me because I don't have group meditation all day long. They've told me that. They want group meditation all day long. They want structure. I don't give a lot of structure. Right. So I, say, I don't. I don't stay with you. Not because you're not a good teacher. I just. I just need the structure. I need constantly being with a group, being told what to do, and I want the teacher in the. Fr Actually, I want the teacher in the front of the room, so they can hold my space. You see, so I come from a different tradition, which is a little bit of both. Hmm? A little bit of both. Other teachers, ah, they're with the student all day long in group meditation, and they'll tell you that's the way it should be taught. Other teachers. Go away and meditate. Come see me in three months. If you can't do that, I don't want to see you. Really, true. Mm -hmm. true. 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 All kinds of different teachers for different beings teaching in different ways. Uh, and then with different realizations. Some teachers definitely do have different realizations. They see the world and they see phenomena. They've had certain insights and certain realizations. They're, they're not, not the same. Hmm? 
But we sort we sort it out karmically. Interesting. We sort it out karmically. Any other teacher? Any other uh, um, questions you might have? Yes. The other evening you mentioned something. Uh, you just said the words, but I don't think you elaborated on it. Mm. The physiology of the mind. Mm. Yeah, the chemistry of the mind. Um, so uh, this is chemistry of the small m mind. So all, all when we, uh, the way the brain is designed is, and, and most of our physiology is most of our physiology, most of our changes of chemistry, neurochemistry, we don't experience them directly. We can't. We don't. It's all blocked. It's, it's, it's kept away from us. We'd be, we be swamped. So what we get is a, a little bit that's enough so we can operate. You get it? Just enough we can operate. Not being negative, it's just enough we can operate. We don't need to actually feel everything that's going on behind the scenes. The puppet master, what's happening up in the uh, um, puppet department where they're doing the controlling, all we need to know is that we can, for most of us, that we can do this. Right? Isn't that right? Most of us just want to know that we can go like this. And, you know, first, most people say, well, just, I just want a coffee. Yes, yeah, for Janice, right? Well, just give me a coffee. Uh, but but, it's, but it's, 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 it's an Ethiopian from such and such and such. And, such, and it's Rosen. Just give me a coffee, please. Right? Just give me a coffee. I don't care. Just put some milk in it and, you know. So, so we, we, um, we generally function on a lot of assumptions and a lot of um, not knowings. But actually, uh, uh, and uh, Namjir Rinpoche pointed this out, and um, we used to have long discussions about this when I first met Namjir Rinpoche, and um, you, you'll actually see it in the Abhidhamma, is all thinking, all cognition is chemical. It's namarupa. That's what, actually what you're experiencing. This medita the meditation you're doing is called the meditation on namarupa. It's the first stages of insight. Nama is concept, concept, naming in English. Nama, the Pali word nama came down to us as to name, to conceptualize. Nama arupa uh, is usually translated as form or matter. It actually literally means, the word rupa, rupani, means to break up, things that break up, things that fall apart. So we have two things happening. We, we start with two gross things. That which is mentation, men, do you hear it? Mentation, mental activity, and that which is form, matter, shapings. In, in the tradition of insight, of, of, of Abhidhamma insight, there's no separation between those two words. There's no mind form. It's mind form. So right now, all of your state chemistry, your experience, your, your experience, is actually being shaped by the temperature in the room. It's being shaped by the light. It's being shaped by the circadian rhythm of your body, which is different for each one of us. It's being shaped by the day-night cycle, the dineural cycle. It's being shaped by where the moon is. It's being shaped by where we are in relationship to the sun. It's being shaped by the tides. It's being shaped by 
the uh, chemistry in your belly and the, the relationship of parasites and bacteria and so on. Do you follow? All shapes, all shaped by chemistry. So all thoughts, every single thought, is a neurochemical forming. Is it mentation? Is it just to say it's uh, just chemistry? No, we don't know what it is. We can say maybe philosophically or even what's beginning to emerge, it's an emergent experience of mind based on body. Emergent experience shapes chemistry. So what we say is that nama rupa, uh, mind, not mind, naming, concept, and forming is like this. That's what you're studying. So when, when you come now to uh, do Vipassana Jnana in the Burmese insight tradition, you start with um, uh, weeks, days, weeks, maybe months of Nama Rupa, Nama Rupa study. Why? It's fundamental. So that's what I meant by, by a ke a chemistry, or is, is all states that you experience is shifting chemistry. What, you know, I used to call this, I used to talk a lot about this, I haven't used this metaphor for a while, but basically we are neurohormonal modulators. We manipulate and fiddle with a hypodermic needle in our veins all day long shifting neurochemistry. That's what's going on. I'm not talking about big M mind. I'm talking about what we normally call consciousness and our experience is shifting neurochemistry. And you can, you can easily see this. It is so obvious. How your physiology is in a given hour, in a given... You just go into deep enough retreat long enough, you'll see it. Shifting, like washes of chemistry. Now, Namjoon Rinpoche uh, taught this in two ways. Just He taught it that way, from very much an Abhidhamma insight tradition. But then, uh, one time after a boat trip, because I was there, we traveled across the Pacific from Southampton uh, to um, Samoa on our way to New Zealand. When Rinpoche got to New, when we got to New Zealand, and we arrived in Taronga, the uh, the town of Taronga, Rinpoche got off the boat, proceeded to give a class, and he taught womb meditation suddenly. Folks, this is what's going on. And it was all about chemistry. He, so he had been contemplating, never knew it, never had a book, nothing. Just a whole trip for three months contemplating where's all this coming from? Most of the shaping that you're experiencing that you call you is the, is the uh, early um, chemical washes from womb uh, shaping. Nine months of physiological conditioning that when we start to get heavily conditioned by the outer environment and the inner environment and so on, it's now like waves washing in that proclivity. Do you see? But, but you don't know what they are. So when you're meditating, you can feel all of a sudden, have you felt this, all of you? Ugh. Gosh, it's like, like, like someone's put a drug in you. Have you felt that? Just like a drug. Uncomfortable, heavy, thick, light. 
Nowhere else you want to be? Oh man, I could stay here forever, eh? Crawly, itchy. Yes? And, and, and you can't find anything to do with this. Right? You can be so happy walking along, doing slow walking meditation, and whacked with anxiety. No story, not. Just, oh, ah, ah. You just want to go run. Or lie down, or whatever. Have you had that? I hope so. So, a lot of these are washes from the womb. Washing. Just washings of chemicals. Just still secreting patterns. Not just uh, every... You know, some of you... How many of you are... You're most, a lot of you are... Well, I think you're all adults. All post-high school? Post-university? Yeah? Any of you have... Uh, weekly cycles due to going to school on Monday. Still, you might still have traces of what it's like to go to school for 13 or 12 years in university, and on Monday you face that kind of life. You should feel what that's like. That can take years to have that go out of the system. How about dreams? Exam dreams? How many people have exam dreams? can't make it to the exam, right? Can't get the test. You're writing the test and it falls, it disintegrates. Yeah, still? <laughs> 80 years old. <laughs> and yet others don't. Why? This is karma. Genetic, family, familial, epigenetic, which means it's carried over from parents and so on. As I would often say about Jews, being one of them, there's not a Jew I know or ever met who isn't riddled with anxiety from World War II. And before. And before. And the last program and the last ghetto and so on and so on. And that would include the Scots. And that would include the Irish. And that would include all kinds of people from Africa and Asia and so on. That gets passed down generation after generation after generation. So you go, it's me. It's not you. <laughs> it's life. It's hell. It's very, very difficult. Some people are born relatively happy. Some people are born and they have really, they don't know why. They're just washed with depression or washed with anxiety. And we make up all kinds of stories. And we attribute to this and that and this. But now we know very well, we've known for a long time, that also it is passed down. So it takes, it takes childhood conditioning. It takes womb conditioning. It takes genetic conditioning, it takes epigenetic conditioning, it takes certain things that happen. Uh, you, you find it's really, so, so why some teachers have said karma's really complex. But Namjur Rinpoche's uh, view on this, a fantastic meditator, said actually a lot of the shaping that you experience, that you attribute to you, is washes that have nothing to do with you that are womb-based washes. This is the major, chem major chemical working out as you develop chemically, physiologically, in the womb, rapidly. You're really subject. It, let me put it another way. Nobody comes out unscathed from the womb. Uh, the human being, let alone a dog, let alone a salamander, is so complex neurologically, chemically, physiology, that when you lay down the tracks and you develop organs, 
right? Um, uh, develop an eyeball, develop a, a kidney, develop a brain, let alone a brain. It's not possible to get it all right. Do you know what I mean? So if we went around the room, probably every single, because I've done this uh, up in the Arctic, we studied this, every one of you, me too, has a learning disability. If you take a big manual of learning disabilities, we all have them. And they're all different. It's fantastic. Someone who's great in languages and math can't do spatial and pictorial representation. It's fantastic to watch. Oh, I don't want to do that. Some people have short-term memories. Some people have long-term memories. I know people can memorize, you know, right, right away, uh, 12 digits. Others, not more than four or five. Do you see what I mean? We're wired very differently. So to get through nine months of womb development, <laughs> good luck. Really, good luck. It's, it's difficult. Even some of the greatest geniuses were dys dyslexic. Leonardo da Vinci, Albert Einstein, dyslexic. You see? And that's only one of many, many different kinds of learning disabilities. So, did you get the idea? So, it's really complex. And to stick your finger all the time saying it's this and this and this and this is really um, fraught with imagination. And it's shaped, but it's chemical. It's chemical washes. So what I'd like you to do is, is orientate you this way. You'll either discover it or you'll come up with some other concept. But try this. When you're calm and clear enough, you'll be able to feel chemical washes, literally like someone's injected you with drugs for every thought that you have. Every feeling is a chemical wash. Every thought's a chemical wash. Every sensation is a chem like, like a drug being pumped through you. That's how slow you can go with your cognition. Literally. You can lift your foot and you can feel the changes in your physiology. You can lie down and you can feel it change. You can feel it change with the light. Some people, they'll have anxiety simply due to lower light levels in the day. And go, oh, it's due to... No, it's not. It's due to low light levels. Primarily, it triggers a chemical sensation. And we attribute it to a story. Is it? So which comes first, the chemistry or the egg? Which comes first, the chemistry? So as Namaz Rinpoche once said, uh, last teachings of Abhidhamma he gave, folks, it's all chemistry. And that was a huge change for him from a Buddhist teacher, very psychological. Instead of saying it's all psychological, it's all mind, it's all chemistry. Why? Because mind is chemistry. There's no, get it like this, there's no such thing. They're bound like this. Follow? Bound like that. If we inject you with uh, noradrenaline, adrenaline, you will have changes to your uh, experience. If we inject you with LSD, you'll have changes to experience, right? If you smell apples in a room, you'll have changes to experience. If someone injects uh, uh, rose oil into the room and, and to a level which you don't even detect it, you will physiologically change just by a little bit of rose oil. That's why you swing a sensor full of musk and frankincense in the mass because it mimics sex 
pheromones by human beings. It makes everybody feel. <laughs> it's powerful. People sit there going. Spiritual. Well, yeah, you feel really good. You feel good. You feel turned on. Not sexually turned on. You just, and you go, oh, this is spiritual. When we talk about the nature of mind, we will make a discovery, I hope, I hope you'll make a discovery, that no matter what the change of chemistry is, that mind, which is not a thing, will simply not alter at all. Not a bit. That's what needs to be found. But how to come there, you actually have to first, often, be able to experience states. You know, actually be able to go state, change of state, change of state, which is change of chemistry, for nama rupa, nama rupa. So why all the walking, why the wa rise and fall? We need to be able to distinguish nama rupa, nama rupa. Someone says, I just breathe. No, I just breathe. You know, it's, 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 it's autonomic. My heartbeat is autonomic, right? Have you found that your heartbeat is autonomic? It just always is due to the way it is, yes? Most of you within oh, 10 minutes of training could drop your, learn to drop your heart rate down to 30 beats um, uh, per minute. Probably 10 minutes. With galvanic skin response and a heart rate meter, probably just do this. Just plop it down. 10 minutes. Are mental states connected to respiration and heart rate? Yes. Is it connected to all your other physiological functions? You'll be told in school, no. Go find out and direct experience, you'll find out. Absolutely. Every time a thought goes through you, no matter what it is, just about, unless it's really minor and neutral, you're going to be awash in neurochemicals. We know this. We know this by also science. If you have a good enough detector, you can pick up those changes of neurochemistry in the blood. As a matter of fact, uh, during a one-hour session, you can pick up changes in immunochemistry. Am I, everybody know what I mean by immunochemistry? You can pick up changes in antigens in the blood. In a three-month retreat, this has been done three times, three separate experiments, you can see changes in the tel telomeres, which is the caps on the end of the chromosomes, right? actually changing or not being shrunk but actually growing because of enzymatic activity at the genetic level. That's for sure. That's three experiments, three separate experiments. So anybody who says, oh, it's innocent, thinking's innocent, they're cracked. Anybody who says that gossip's innocent, cracked. Sorry, cracked. So when we come to the word delusion, from the standpoint of the clear mind that understands cause and effect at a neurochemical level, which at a meditative level, then you're under delusion to believe that what you're doing is innocent. Do you see what I'm saying? It's, it has no effect. Poisonous mind states are like viral mind states. They poison people. We're, we're not separate individuals were interconnected and interdependent. That's why we start this beautiful prayer, profound. 
a little bit different in the in the Mahayana Vajrayana tradition. May all mother sentient beings boundless as a sky. All sentient creatures are our mothers. In terms of past lives, past times, every single creature has had some effect on our life. All creatures die giving their life for other creatures. Isn't this extraordinary? There's people, you contemplate this. You contemplate this. Go, oh my God. People, the creatures giving up their life, not even consciously, for you to be alive, for you to function. And not only that, it's a fantastic measurement if you want to do the math someday, because I've actually tried see a long time ago. Actually calculate out how many Tyrannosaurus Rex molecules you have in you. And you can actually calculate out, on average, how many Hitler molecules you have in you that we carry right now. And Stalin, and a little bit of Mao Zedong, but a little bit of Einstein, a little bit of Leonardo da Vinci. We're talking a few atoms. That's what we're made of. Not to say that it's actually doing anything to us, but we're, we're, you see what I mean? But we're that interconnected. So when we breathe, we're breathing in hormones in the air, we're breathing in signaling uh, molecules, all kinds of stuff in right now, and we don't have a clue what it's doing to our chemistry. Do you see? It's way below the radar. It's just, I like that word, below the radar. You can get in right below the radar. A lot of what we do is we get in below the radar with each other. We do. We really do. Because a lot of what we're communicating is nonverbal communication. Little, little tiny motor muscle movements. And someone gets it, but they don't even know what they got. I like the experiment, whether it was an experiment, I think it's anecdotal, but uh, somewhere in the United States during a presidential election, there were people in a, supposedly, you know these stories, wonderful, you know, I'd like to see the original um, research, but uh, some um, um, people in a um, so-called mental institution many years ago, uh, sitting in front of a, a television while one of the presidential candidates was giving a speech. And their view was that the um, um, presidential candidate was an absolute liar. Just a liar. Just, just straightforward. You look at the person, you go, lying. <laughs> Most of us are entranced by the speech. You know the words? Wow, those words are so meaningful. Yeah? Look at the face. Look at the muscle. Look at what's being said. Not being with the words. Look at what's being actually projected. Smell it. Do you know that expression? Mm -hmm. You know that wonderful expression from the old gangster movies when they're sitting around at a table, the gangsters? I smell a dirty rat. You know that one? <laughs> I smell a dirty rat. And they get up and they shoot somebody. I smell a dirty rat. Yeah, you can smell. You smell so. So chemistry? What happens when Namarupa split? What happens when Namarupa actually breaks apart? Does Namarupa ever split apart? There was a time, you know, when people didn't believe you could split an atom. Then when someone shot 
a neutron at an atom and split it. That changed a lot of things. Because we have nuclear energy and we have atomic weapons. This is atomic um, meditative weaponry. <laughs> split the Namarupa and see what happens. Okay. Any other questions? You're wonder wonderful. Okay. Okay, you had three seconds, that's it. <laughs> Way too slow. Okay, let's uh, co uh, cover at least one really very important important topic uh, tonight, because uh, a lot of you a lot of you uh, will be I hope at this point be bewildered absolutely bewildered by why meditation is the way it is, maybe even why the day is the way it is. Uh, so the the uh, historic Buddha uh, Buddha Shakyamuni gave uh, um, a, an amazing teaching. Um, as far as I know, as far as people know, never, never seen before um, um, in India. Um, it's called the Five Hindrances. And, and um, if you look at that first page on the handout I gave tonight, um, these are called, in Pali, called the Pancha, five, and the Varanas. Uh, this is what gets you in meditation. Uh, it could be 30 times a day. Nabbed. You know the word nabbed? Nabbed by the five hindrances. So if we look through this, we have Kamachanda, Vayapada, Tinamida, Utacha Kakucha, and Wachikicha. So uh, sensory desire, uh, ill will, sloth and torpor, restlessness and worry, and doubt. Uh, some people have this every hour. Some people have this every 10 minutes. Some people have this every um, six hours. You can have it five times in a meditation session. No times in a meditation session. Okay. So when we have meditative absorption, when our minds become totally fused with a meditative object, with the folk, with, with, with the subject of the meditation, the five hindrances fall away. They, they get um, um, burnt up or uh, suppressed, like putting out a fire with a fire suppressant, but sometimes the fire will, will come back. So uh, when you're able to stay with the sensation such as rise and fall, the sensation of the belly, and you can stay with it long enough, uh, there's a very good chance you're going to go you, not you, but your, your uh, um, uh, thought patterns, will start to fall away and you'll go into what is, what is uh, called Upachara Samadhi, which is a type of um, feel-good state where presence is strong. And I don't mean being in the present. I think it'd be time we got rid of that. It's, it's good. Actually, it's good teaching. Being in the present is a wonderful way of introducing um, staying here and now. Uh, but but um, actually, there, is, there isn't anything like that. So um, I would prefer to use the word presence, just presence presence and get rid of this uh, being in the present. It doesn't happen anyways. But anyways, good, good way to introduce it. So the first of the five hindrances to recognize, by the way, if you think this is a meditation, all day long. So the five hindrances happen all, um, all through the day. Normally what happens is we get, um, during the day, we can get preoccupied with objects that bury, suppress the five hindrances. When we come into a meditation retreat, we now focus on us. 
we're now looking at so-called us, we now begin to experience the five hindrances full on. You follow? During the day they're there, we suppress them by watching television. In other words, you want something to happen, you don't even think about it, you turn on the television. You want something to go away, you agitate it. Um, you're um, um, in a state of uh, agitation because you don't have um, the object that you want, you fall asleep. So, so it goes on all day long. So what do you do if you're sleepy? What do we do in the day when we're sleepy usually? Have a cup of tea, coffee. We neuromodulate ourselves. We get a better stimulant, a stimulus. It can be an object, a person, place, or thing. So you say, for instance, if you're, not, you're feeling not so great in the office, right? Phone up your friends. Let's go for lunch. You don't think about it, right? Let's go for lunch. It's exciting. Or you're reading something, it's not very exciting. Facebook. <laughs> Facebook. Yeah, right? Facebook. Yeah. I've watched people simply uh, for hours doing, doing this. Literally, I have watched, I've watched with the, you know, clicking the nails. Really, hours. Object, 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 object. Moving, moving from another, from trying to find an exciting object. Right? That's not what's being said, but trying to find an exciting object. Now, there might be some purpose in it. It might be information. It might be about a date. It might be friends getting together. Always a reason, right? But really, once you get into a retreat, you can feel what's, what's, what's underneath it. As one six-year-old said in an airport, in Singapore airport, I'm bored. That's great. This little kid walking around. I'm bored. I'm bored. It was a fantastic thing. Rocking around just in front of all people waiting for an airplane. I'm bored. I'm bored. It was like, like a mantra. I'm bored. I'm bored. I'm bored. Like a little kid going, I'm bored. I'm bored. I'm bored. Wow. Good, ma good master meditator. Getting it out in the open. Just saying, I'm bored. I'm bored. I'm bored. I'm bored. There's a whole universe, right? Of things. Singapore airport, right? I'm bored. I'm bored. Literally like that. They like that. Going around, I'm bored, I'm bored, I'm bored. Got a new word. So this is the kind of thing that you experience in retreat, both bliss, both extraordinary wondrous things, and also the wonders of absolute, I'm bored. I'm utterly bored. I'm sleepy. I'm so tired, I just can't get up. Yes? Can't even pick your head up. Hmm. Agitated? Anybody ever been agitated? Just don't know what to do. What should I do? Oh, I do this, 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 this. So these are called the five hindrances, and we cycle through them in order. So you've, uh, how many people here actually um, paid to be here? Who, how many people paid something to be here? Do you have an expectation that you should get something? Out of this? Yes. Is that right? Let me see a show of hands. Uh, underneath all your smiling faces and your patience, is there a feeling like you should have something happen this week or next week that is called a meditative experience or a life-changing, transformative thing? Is that right? Come on. Let's see. Yeah, that. Right. Yeah. Even if you say, no, no, I'm a really experienced old hand, underneath it, 
when's it going to happen? <laughs> and, and the expectation is because you've been told this, right? That you have meditative sessions. What's supposed to, what's supposed to happen in a meditative session? Let's, let's just get it out, Neil. You're mature. Let's just get it. What's supposed to happen in a meditative session? Feel good. Bliss. Okay, good. Bliss. Wow. Feel good. What else? Wow. What else? What's the expectation? Now, just underline. I know you're very mature. You're old hand. You're Buddhist. You're Buddhist. Yeah. Nothing. Luminous. Kind of. Luminous. Luminous. Thunderbolt. Thunderbolt. Anybody else? How about symphonic? You know, you're enlightened. You know, the record player going on. You're enlightened now. You're enlightened. Bikinis dancing. Yeah. So there is an expectation by culture, by, by history. Like like that reading the saints and so on. You you know when's it gonna? I know people. I went one student years ago. Years ago, a student Namjoongbushe occasionally said to me. I remember them saying, uh, coming over to the tar cabin and saying, I think this retreat is it. This is when it's gonna happen. Oh, yes, you poor being. You poor. Look what you've set yourself up for. It's it's gonna. Ha- it should have happened already. Do you know what I mean? In other words, if you actually practice every day between retreats, of course it's going to happen, and even if nothing happens, it's happening. <sighs> My goodness, that's sad. Okay. So you're car- we're carrying around expectations for what? When there's a meditation session, we're going to have meditative-like experiences. Is that right? And you've all heard how really cool they are, right? So, so therefore... And, and also you've heard sometimes how difficult it'd be, like, you know, uh, the stigmata. <laughs> Just waiting for the stigmata. Yeah? For the blood to drip out of your palms. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. The shaking, the rocking, the rolling, the raised to heaven, plunged, you know, these, these things, right? Yeah, wait, just waiting for that. The crown of thorns experience, all that kind of stuff. You know, you're waiting, you're waiting for the donkey. Who's waiting for the donkey? Nathan, are you waiting for the donkey? You're waiting to ride the donkey into Jerusalem? Um, um, a friend asked me what happened after I was in three weeks of meditation retreat. You said you found the donkey. I said, uh, well, I'm not sure. Is it, you going to levitate? That's <laughs> <laughs> my, 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 my dear friend Gabby in Israel, who's a, a psychoanalyst, uh, Gabby said, you know, because he spends a lot of time in Jerusalem, so and Gabby said to me, when we were in, his, when, in, in, uh, tel- in going into Jerusalem through one of the gates, he said, just let you know that every year there's five, five people that try to draw, come through on a, on a, on a donkey. <laughs> and they're all, they're all Jesus Christ, and they're all mental institutions. They're all mental institutions. This is about five a year. Five a year that, that get on a donkey or get on a... They, they, they ride through the gate. And go, I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> so, okay. So, so I am making fun of it, but, but get, get light about it. There's an expectation to have something happen. We have this happen all day long. When the expectation isn't met, what happens? All life, when expectation isn't met, what happens? Dissatisfaction. Frustration, irritation, that's called Vyapada. Okay, so Vyapada is a Pali word that means a frustration, disquietude. You're not getting the experience you want. That's in meditation. But actually it happens all day long. If it doesn't go right, we switch the focus. And we, we have the ability, that's why we manifest channels on television. 
with 700 different channels and, and literally in a hotel I cannot find except for maybe the Discovery Channel or the History Channel maybe something to watch maybe uh, we can go through it and cycle through it right uh, so so this is we've we've got this most amazing channel changer uh, which is an internal channel changer that can just keep changing uh, channels until we find a sensory experience that uh, um, turns us on. Okay, number two. So Wyapida um, is ill will. It can get full-blown anger, you know. Full-blown anger. Even in a class, someone can just have absolute anger. They're not getting what they want. Uh, feel it. So as adults, we've had trained out of us tenter tantrums. But a child will have a tenter tantrum. An adult in retreat has tenter tantrums all day long. They do. They're just absolute utter frustrations. Just, fr just sitting there. You should get kick. These are, these are wonderful things to have. It's just face on, full on, utter, utter frustration because you're not getting what you want. I'm not getting an insight. I'm not getting bliss. I'm not getting that luminous light effect. See, so play with the lights. Like, like, like an ocean wonder. Turn the light on. Flicker. Turn the light on. That one that stands up in the corner. Yeah, that one. The one ocean wonder. <laughs> or any of those. No, it's okay. But, um, yeah, sure. Thank you. I got a light. Do you have a light? <laughs> I have a light. Do you have a light? Why does the teacher always get the light? Okay, do you have the idea? So, so if you don't know this, you feel you're being subject to it, and therefore you're not having the kind of retreat or meditation unless you get a fantastic fire experience that you're supposed to maybe program that you've had, yes? A lot of meditation is actually quite... Right? Isn't it? Okay. And then number three, Tinhamitta, which is sloth and torpor. It usually translated sloth and torpor. It's, it's really a dullness of the mind, heaviness of the body. And um, it can be anywhere from a gradual sleepiness to a literally within a fraction of a second your head hits the floor. You're out. You're out cold. Or you're sitting like this and go, oh man, I think it's been 10 minutes. Out. Have you had that? Just out. Yeah? Out. Gone. Or... <laughs> and you can go to a monastery in a temple. You can hear all the kinds of it. <laughs> you know, dun, dun, dun. So it's quite, quite common. It's maybe, maybe why I don't want to have. This is Rinpoche. I don't really want to have group meditations here. You know. <laughs> of course, he had different methods. He'd throw, have them take off their clothes and roll in the snow, or, or, or throw the, the Sanskrit dictionary at them. But, Okay, uh, so actually it can get so strong, uh, um, you, you can feel like you've got the blues or you're depressed. Um, 
thick, very thick. And then number four, udacho kakucha. So it, it, it's a bit like Yiddish. It's exactly like it sounds, which is restlessness and worry. Uh, it can show up just a bit like flighty mind. Just flighty mind. That's, that's often how it shows up. Just this mind that won't settle. You think, why am I so distracted? Udacha kakucha. Why is it just jumping around? It won't settle. An hour ago it was settled. Ten minutes ago it was perfectly settled. And now it's just busy buzzing. That's because one had Kamachando, Uyapada, Tinhamita, and now you're all of a sudden in Udacha Kakucha and you don't remember the other stages. It's that fast. How fast can this happen? I've clocked it with a stopwatch in under a second. So it just goes just like that. And then uh, after coming out of the, uh, the worries, the flurries, nothing settled, uh, then you get the doubt sets in. Uh, classic, this meditation isn't for me, it's the wrong meditation, wrong retreat, wrong meditation pillow. I just always tell you that because, yeah, you know, it's coming for me too. It's the wrong meditation pillow. Can't be the right meditation. <coughs> it's, not, it's not quite right. It's not the right bed, it's not the right food, it's not the right place, it's not the right temperature, it's not the right climate. The Dharma can't be right. You know, you start to doubt the Dharma, you start to doubt the teacher. Usually the teacher comes first. But for Westerners, usually themselves. Uh, Westerners often kill themselves off first. That's the first ones they do. I can't do this. I'm no good. I'll never become enlightened. This meditation is way too hard for me. Right? It's impossible. This is absolutely impossible, especially if you read some of the advanced meditation. You know, oh, it's impossible. There's no way. That's, that's a Western attitude. I'll tell you, I won't even tell you what the Eastern is. It's not going to do it. <laughs> I'm going to do it. Okay. So for a Westerner, they're going to think their way out of it. So what's the, what's the thinking way of it? There's something better. Yeah, something better. So you do, eventually you get to the point, okay, well, the, it's the wrong teacher. The retreat down the road would probably be better. You know, really, if I was in that retreat, I, I suspect they're doing a different practice. And, and uh, yeah, a different practice. And so you go through this, and eventually you wear yourself out. The chemistry changes, yeah? Just brain chemistry changes, hormonal changes, and all of a sudden you're going, rising, falling. Wow, this is good. I'm really good. Rising, <laughs> falling. Rising, falling. Rising, 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 falling. This is really good. I like this. And then 10, 15, 20 minutes later, or an hour later, right? <laughs> if I could be somewhere else, I'd love to be somewhere else. Have you had this experience? <laughs> Have you? Yeah. It's called the five hindrances. Get used to it. Uh, write it out, memorize it, stick it on your forehead. <laughs> you, know, like a, you know, like a little... Um, a stick that comes out with a little reminder like this. It goes like this. Uh, it comes out, and just just remind yourself. Now, in the in the tradition of um, the four foundations of sati or mindfulness or, or recollectedness, uh, this this uh, these five become the insight meditation. 
you actually meditate and identify each one, you watch it rise, you watch it fall. So that means you have the ability now, because of a very clear mind, Sampajana, that's, that's the word we should be using. It's the, it's the word. We have clear recollectiveness knowing of when Kamachando rises, begins to come up, we can, we can actually, instead of trying to run away from it and have a good meditative experience, we watch it dissolve. Or we watch one, two, three, we're into Tinhamida, and we can actually watch it happen. And we can actually just wait until we come out of it. We don't do anything. So this becomes a fantastic uh, insight meditation. Okay? It's happening all day long, folks not just your meditation, you may as well really get to the bottom of it. So I think you can, you can probably see how the five, the five hindrances are connected with cyclic, daily suffering, disquietude, chasing after objects, just not happy with objects. When you have a happy object, what do we do with happy objects? We embrace it, right? And then what are we supposed to do when we don't have happy objects? We toss them away. And we are, remember, we are a throwaway culture. So that's also part of our um, heritage, is we have a heritage now of when things are a bit rough, things aren't going so well, uh, the uh, car isn't working, what do we do? We don't fix it. What do we do? We throw it away. Or we just trade it, get rid of it. Yeah? Food, all kinds of things. Okay, I think that's plenty for tonight. You can, if you want, uh, read. Um, yeah, that's, that's, I think that's, that's keep, keep class short, short to some degree. And you can read through, I, I think, enough tonight to, to just talk about Upachar Samadhi is uh, often translated as neighborhood samadhi. I remember Nandra Bhrishid laughing at that. Neighbor, neighborhood to what? But neighborhood samadhi, which is you're close to full absorption. You're close to full, utter, concentrative mind. And this, uh, upach- why we, we talk about upachara samadhi is because upachara samadhi is the minimum level of tranquility, calm presence that one needs to be able to practice uh, the style of, of Vipassana jnana uh, that was taught by Lady Sayadaw and um, Utilawanta and Goenka and so on. So they all rely, they all come from the same place, which is Lady Sayadaw, trying to find some way of people gaining insight rapidly. And it's done through um, Upachara Samadhi. It used to be done through jhanas. Your, your mind is so clear. Such beautiful states of no, no thought, bliss, radiance washed through that when you took up an insight subject, it was very, very fast. Um, but um, um, because many people can't train that way, they're too busy, busy lives and, and um, other responsibilities, then we, we take quick snatches. You know what I mean by snatch? Well, quick snatches, peaks, uh, using Upachara Samadhi. So uh, this is the kind of um, concentration one would like to have. So when you have upachara samadhi, you'll have occasional thought. It won't be completely gone. There'll be some thought. You'll feel good. Uh, you'll feel a bit light in your body. Uh, there'll be mental concentration. You'll be able to stay with the object. 
uh, sustained, easeful. Time passes uh, uh, quite quickly for you. And this kind of thing. There's all kinds of signs. Uh, I can tell you the meditative signs, but I, I'm not going to. You, you bring those to me, okay? And uh, there's there's certain things that come up that, that indicate upachara samadhi before going into full absorption. But that is the kind of meditative quality you want because when you go into full absorption, you can't practice insight. You can practice afterwards. Or you can flip back and forth. But if you get absorbed, which is kind of stunned, if you get absorbed, uh, it, you uh, really can't stay with uh, the movement, the flux of phenomena to contemplate fluxing. Too fixed. It's too fixed. Okay. Any There they go. Yep. Uh, Upachara Samadhi. Is that on page two? That's actually the top of page one. Oh, sorry. Right in the first sentence. Oh, thank you. Yep. Okay. And then if you uh, like, I w I'd like you to, if you want to read through uh, for tomorrow, uh, the absorptions, they may be very esoteric and very uh, um, unusual for some of you. But I will go through those because some of you are having these um, different experiences. Okay. So these hindrances, they always happen in that order? Always? Some people say yes, some people say no. Uh, my experience is if you really see them clearly, they do happen in that order. Normally what happens is when you get sleepy, you've missed the others. What? When you get sleepy, which can, you can just be tired, by the way. Okay, you can be really yeah. systemically tired. But when it's uh, tinha mitha, sl sloth and torpor, sloth and torpor, uh, you've missed the preceding ones. That's all. The mindfulness or the attention is not good enough to see the preceding uh, factors that led to that. Basically, what happens when you get sloth, when you get sloth and torpor, you've been worn out. It's a, it's a, you know what happens after a tender tantrum? Ever seen a kid after a tantrum? What do they do? So tired. It's like all this expenditure of energy. So when you're frustrated by not getting an object you want, you basically wear yourself out. It's stress. So the easiest thing to do uh, in a meditation retreat is what? You can laugh at this. I, maybe you might, well, you may not. That's a terrible way to crack, it, to crack a joke or to do comedy, isn't it? But you're going to laugh at this. So it's hypnotic. You're going to laugh at my joke. What's the joke? Most people in retreat are stressed, are stressing themselves out. Because you're, you're chasing after that which you're not going to get. The expectation is it's going, to, it's going to stress you out. So lots of people get very, very tired, very sore, irritable in retreat uh, and go swing from bliss or happiness and back and forth because they're chasing after that which they don't need to chase for. That's, that's uh, a kamachanda, and quickly it goes to um, a frustration, low-level frustration, and then goes to tired, very tired. That's actually stress. It's, it's, very, it's, it's stressful. Meditation, meditation retreats can be stressful because, you're, because there's too much push, too much push for results. Instead of just gentle, exploratory, exciting investigation.
which, which means you've got tons of energy. You know you've got tons of energy when you're really exploring. This is neat. Even when it's utterly boring, then that becomes the meditation. If you come to me and say, I'm absolutely stunned, bored out of my mind, and have been for days, I go, excellent, you've now reached utter boredom. That's a stage. It's good. Then why don't you use that as your meditation? Find out what boredom actually is. Do you see the difference of, of the investigative mind? One mind says, I'm going to get out of boredom by staying in bliss. Give me something to stay in bliss. That's not liberation. Liberation is, what is the nature of boredom? The liberative mind is, what's, this is exciting. I've been bored for five hours straight. That is awesome. Do you hear the difference? Like a good forensic, like a pathologist or something? Like a, a good excited forensic pathologist? Wow. How did that bullet hole go that way? Look at those stab wounds. You know, that's really cool. Instead of going, oh, oh, or opening up a stomach. That's fascinating. What did they have to eat for the last few hours? Yeah? Or a bone? What can you tell by looking at a bone? What could you tell by looking at a, a pottery shard? What could you tell, right? What can you tell? Other people, it's boring. Boring. Another person, it's utterly fascinating. Utterly fat. It's going to take you hours and hours, maybe days, to figure out what those marks are on that bone. Do you, you follow? That's what you're doing. So some people find this utterly boring. Rising, falling. Rising, falling. Rising, falling. That's because you don't know actually what you're looking for. You're not on a treasure hunt. If you're on a treasure hunt, and you actually uh, understand the Dharma, then it's pretty cool what you're doing. You're basically, you're basically there to catch certain things, like on safari. Imagine a bored safari goer. Can you bring me an animal? Can, you know, we haven't seen lions yet or, or, or leopards. Can you bring us a leopard? Where's the leopards? And there's animals everywhere. There's stick bugs, right? There's dung beetles to look at. Rock hyraxes, all kinds of creatures. Where's the leopard? <laughs> I haven't seen a leopard yet. It's not a good retreat. It's not a good safari. Did you, did you see? But you're on safari to do what? See all the animals. See what, see what animals present where and learn. Not, I want to have this. It's about learning. And you've got it right there. So, so you should know that that rise and fall, or those steps, have been practiced by, by hundreds of thousands of people who've had extraordinary attainment through these practices. They're ordinary people. There's super geniuses, there's mom and pops, there's farmers, hmm? people with no education, people with super education, yeah? with extraordinary degrees of attainment through not the practice, the interest. The practice is the uh, container. Do you understand? The container to let your interest go to actually bore in and be uh, curious. What is this phenomenon? What does it mean? What am I looking at?
Is the light too bright for you? Yes. Okay. We better finish the class. Okay. It takes great maturation to be able to go into retreat for one, two, three weeks a month by yourself and sustain interest of rise and fall. So this is why it helps to have the Dharma up front so that when you're actually practicing, you know why you're practicing. You're not just doing this thing, this thing over and over and over again. So when you have people in groups, they say, I can only be supported when I'm in a group. It's because they're doing a thing. When you really get it, you can be left in the lab by yourself. Do you understand? You can be left alone in the lab to explore in the lab, and you tinker for hours, like, like, like Teague uh, on, the, on the car, on the MGB. You tinker for hours. You'll be there all day. Can, I, can we work on the MGB? Can we work on the MGB? No, it's good. Can we work on the MGB? Imagine if you're doing that in a retreat. Can I go a few more hours? Can I go a few more hours? I want to just skip supper. I'm just in the middle of, of, of changing the brake pad. This is the most fascinating thing in the world. It's a stuck brake pad. Yeah. Well, the same thing in meditation. Look at this. I'm stuck. How many people have been stuck today? Who, who got stuck? Anybody get stuck today? Just stuck. The feeling of absolute stuck? Anybody? Who? Who? Stuck? You're getting insight. That's actually insight. So for someone else, I'm stuck. I should be something else. No, no. You're stuck. What's stuck? All phenomena. You look at it, it gets stuck. If you came to me and said, I just had hours of stuck. I go, Congratulations. You're getting somewhere. The other person goes, oh, I felt so good. I just felt so good doing my inside practice. Go back and practice. Yeah. Oh, I'm getting visions. Go back and practice. I'm levitating. Go back and practice. <laughs> really? Go back and practice. Stuck? Better. Stuck actually in insight, this kind of practice, stuck is better than levitating. Way better. Other practices, levitation is really good. You can levitate, excellent. You can build an airplane, that's really good. But in this practice, actually coming face to face with boredom, stuckness, disquietude, superb. Marvelous. So let us um, uh, pass on a class for tomorrow. That's tomorrow, Wednesday. Yeah, let's pass on a class tomorrow morning and uh, have you practice uh, throughout the morning so you get a good session throughout the morning. Wonderful. Back-to-back -back sessions of practice. And um, let's meet again in the evening. All right? If it's pouring rain and you're chilly, it's a chilly day, we'll meet up there. We'll send a message down. Uh, otherwise, uh, here. Okay? Let's share the merit. By uh, the, the wholesome karma. Let me tell you exactly what it means. Punya kama. By the wholesome mental states that we build together, because we do it together, may it lead to the cessation of uh, bewilderment for all uh, sentient beings. Idante punyakamang asawakiwango tu idante punyakamang asawakiwango tu idante punyakamang asawakiwango tu. May all beings be healthy and happy, and may all beings be established in a natural 
unbroken continuity of freedom, which is the stainless unity of uh, compassion and wisdom for all sentient beings. A great glorious gift. Sarmangalam, Sarmangalam, Sarmangalam. Good.